0: Welcome to the 50th episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Streets, where this week we wanted to do something to celebrate this mystical landmark. Today's guest is me, co-founder and director at Momentum Hospitality Recruitment and host of this show, the most awesomest of all podcasts. Coming up on today's show, Phil reveals how resilient he is. What was it you did then to overcome that? I left. (laughs) Okay. Robert is a bit harsh on himself
1: with two people with the most beautiful voices and I sound like the third orphan on the left at the Canterbury and production of Oliver Twist.
0: And collectively we managed to make hmm a topic of discussion. Mm. Here's that hmm again. Hmm. Mm. Mm. All that and so much more as I talk you through my story today as well as being put through my paces by two amazing previous guests, Robert Richardson and Catherine Price. There's also an alarming amount of useful and deep-thinking content in here on general mindset and reflective thinking. I also can't believe that we've got to 50 episodes, so I'd like to take this opportunity to thank every guest who's agreed to come on the show. Without you, there's no show, but hopefully together we can keep raising the bar on the message of positivity that gets out into the world on hospitality, the greatest industry on Earth. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this, the 50th, Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Now, when I started this, I didn't know if I'd make it to five, to be honest, let alone 50. Uh, Actually, that's not true, because I had actually launched with seven interviews having been conducted. So I'm uh, a little white lie at a white time of year. Um, (laughs) But to celebrate the 50, we had to do something a little bit special. So today's guest uh, is me. But don't worry, I know what you're saying. Uh, I'm not going to interview myself. That would be a bit weird. Uh, So instead, I've gone back to the archives and I've got not one, but two of my previous guests to, to put me through my paces. So first, from episode number four, as if to demonstrate how things move on, when I interviewed this chap, he was general manager at the Grand in Folkestone is now the general manager at the Cave Hotel just outside Canterbury, as well as now being also elected to the supervisory board at the Institute of Hospitality as vice chair. Delighted to welcome back Robert Richardson.
1: Hi, Phil, and thank you very much for having me back. It's it's a privilege to come and do this on your fiftieth. What a milestone! Fiftieth podcast.
0: It's nuts, isn't it's it? Mad, absolutely, absolutely nuts. mad. Yeah, but we don't we don't just leave it there. Oh no, our second guest from episode Lucky Number Seven. We welcome back the only one of us who actually asks questions like these for a living. And again, a demonstration of the fact that things do move on because I'm delighted to have the lovely Catherine Price, who is now news editor, I believe. When I interviewed you, you were senior reporter.
2: I oh, was well, indeed, yes. How things move on and wow, no pressure as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, I'm, I'm trying that. to put you under pressure so that it then you know, reciprocates into being a lot easier for me
1: well if we're talking about pressure this is my nightmare i'm literally on a podcast with two people with the most beautiful voices and i sound like the third orphan on the left at the canterbury and production of oliver twist oh bless you
2: not at all
0: (laughs) no absolutely so well i'm going to say without further ado and i don't know if i should be scared by this i'm going to relinquish control and over to you guys
2: be afraid be very afraid (laughs) cross-examination's
0: coming Yeah.
2: So Phil obviously we want to hear all about your your journey and your story so tell us about yourself and what you do.
0: Yeah well by day I am a recruiter so I recruit within hospitality obviously um, for management and upwards up to board level. It's uh, obviously an, an industry that's been a little bit hit by the proceedings that we find in front of us. By night I fight crime. No, that's just <laughs> in my dreams. Uh, but yeah, I do. I run this lovely little podcast that we're we're on at the moment, which uh, thankfully Touchwood has gone down well since it started.
2: It definitely has. No, I've been. I've I've already heard from people who've both been on here and uh, and have listened that I've you've got quite a few fans. Well,
0: that's wonderful. Let's keep that standard up, and I uh, hope the uh, that by doing one of myself. That that doesn't get rid of all of those hard-earned fans. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you t- how did you how did you get here? You know, where, where did you start in hospitality? Was your first job in hospitality?
0: Oh crikey, yeah. So I was going all the way back to school. I was uh, my mother and father uh, didn't start their life in hospitality, but did identify an opportunity uh, on one of the Scottish islands called Tyree. and uh, we used to holiday there. Pretty much every week uh, every week every year we weren't that well off um, <laughs> every week wow <laughs> yeah and they identified that there was a kind of there was a lack of bed numbers as a start but then also uh, the the quality wasn't particularly great as well so they just uh, they looked at opportunities they both wanted to give up the rat race and uh, identified uh, an old rundown church bought that did it up into a hotel with zero experience, I suppose, other than the fact that they knew what they liked as consumers. And, uh, and then went about completely uprooting us, me and my brother. I, was, I just, just was finishing primary school at that point. And, yeah, then I, I was kind of forced into labour, really. Forced um, into labour? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did, in my secondary schooling, I worked in the hotel through many different phases so in the kitchen out front housekeeping pretty much anything and everything that my mother mother and father told me to do which is kind of I suppose the norm for any child and it's fair to say that I didn't immediately have a love of the work it was it was a a, I suppose it was a way to make some pocket money and that was kind of so they actually paid you they did although I, these days they'd be put in jail for how much I was paid but um but in any case no at, at the time it was perfectly legal and um I uh yeah I mean I think the one thing I, I didn't immediately have a love of the work the one thing I did really love was talking to people and just being out front and getting the buzz of uh, what was going on in the restaurant and the, they had a tea room as well and just speaking to guests and just getting their stories and and all of that I really really connected with that side of the business. Um I think it was all the 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 kind of the hoovering and making beds and the, the hard work really that I didn't get on with as a teenager. It just wasn't my time for that. I think that was that that was pure and simple it. I was yet to learn ethics, I think. And that certainly taught me a lesson on that to to start with. And then I um it was getting to the end of school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do to be honest, at that point, we'd be age about 17 at this point. I enjoyed sport. And so I decided to go and study a sports degree, uh, which was uh, my grand plan at the time was to become a, a sports centre manager, uh, that sort of thing. But even that, I, to be honest, I, I didn't really connect with that much. And so I, I kind of drifted through my my university. It was a management degree, and I actually found the 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 management side of it quite easy and because a lot of it's very theory based and you know if you've got an an element of common sense about you you can you can kind of fill in the blanks if you don't know the blanks yourself it's just about treating people as you would expect to be treated yourself on the human side obviously somebody needs to teach you how to read a pnl and all these things but they can be taught and i got to the end of my degree and i still didn't really know what i wanted to do i took a job as a bartender in haggerston castle holiday park in the northeast and i really, really loved it for three months of my life, and the reason I was only there for three months because I had lofty plans to go travel the world. but having just done three years at uni i didn 't have any money, so I, I had to figure out a way to get paid to do that, so I, I, I was applying for jobs on cruise ships uh, and bear in mind at this point my motivation was purely about travel it wasn 't about career, and landed a job. On on piano cruise ships, loved my time at Hagerston uh, Castle as I said because again it was reconnecting me with with speaking to people, customer service. I was getting on really well with that. I mean, it also taught me some quite strange things. Haggerston Castle strange things. Time, yeah, it was a it was a place where uh, people went to get drunk. I think that's probably the the safest way to <laughs> to put that. And that that 's some there 's some hard lessons around that. I remember one time I was lucky enough in my short time there to be given the the reins to take on what they call the owner 's bar, which is the place that they give all the people who own caravans. They give them their own bar so that they can get to know each other and you know it 's just a it 's kind of like a member 's club, I suppose, so I loved that because you were talking to the same people all the time. You could build relationships with people. And I remember one night a guy got in, and nobody really knows how he got in, but he was absolutely smashed, for want, want of a better phrase. And he came up to the bar and, and said, oh, can, can I, I don't know, actually know what he said, but he, I think he wanted a drink. And I said, no, you're, you're clearly intoxicated. Uh, I'm not going to serve you. And he, he had a, a bottle of Budweiser in his hand at the time, and he took a swipe at me. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but he was that drunk, that he missed me by easily two yards <laughs> oh, um, and then the guys pounced on him and chucked him out like so it was just a it was very easy easily and quickly dealt with but there was all manner of situations of drunkenness that that had to to deal with it but I actually quite enjoyed it I don't know whether it's because I had plenty of experience of doing that myself at that point <laughs> but um, but in any case got my dream job on on P&O cruises and I think this was probably a, a really this is maybe a good lesson for anybody who's kind of Looking at where they want to go and what direction they want to do and how you kind of go about achieving it, I just wasn't going to take no for an answer, and I don't mean that in a creepy, stalk you kind of a way. it's Interesting, but, that's where your mind goes there, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I've got a caveat everything, just to make sure that uh, that's not taken the, the the wrong way. And yeah, so I basically I got I, I spoke to somebody and they said, oh, just apply to all the cruise ships. Uh, all the cruise lines. And so I just sent off loads of letters because you had to do that back then. Uh, There wasn't emails.
2: What is a letter?
0: Yeah, (laughs) indeed. And started getting rejection letters. And the one that I really wanted was P&O. It was a British company, sailed out of Southampton. And I didn't get a letter from them, but I didn't really give them a chance to send me a letter. I jumped on the phone, actually, and I was lucky enough to be put through to the head of HR without knowing that that was the case. And I ended up spending half an hour just chatting about life with the head of HR of p Cruises. And two days later, I got a, an invite to interview. And I always use this as a kind of story to, to reflect to people that, you know, a lot of time in job searches, people just kind of send something off and wait for something to happen. But if you really truly want something, you've properly got to go and get it. I was absolutely not what's the word experienced enough to to take on a job like that i didn't have any kind of big hotel experience or ship experience but what happened was is that you know clearly the the lady that i spoke to liked what i had to say as a human being mm-hmm. and uh, and gave me that chance somebody took a chance still had to get through interview which i did and i remember being sat around an interview with they did a, a group interview and an individual interview and in the group interview they they literally went round the room and would say okay so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've done and all of that and and I think I was in a room of eight I was maybe number five in the list that they would get to so the first four went and they were all like uh, oh, my name is Steve I'm 28 years old I've got seven years experience as a cabin steward with um, British Airways and all these people coming up with all of this amazing experience, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so out of my depth here." And the only thing that I could think of was, I just said to them, "I am Phil. I don't have any of the experience that you guys have, but I just know that this is my dream job." And at that time, that was enough to wow. get it. Well, it wasn't enough. I then did quite a good uh, one-to-one interview, and got the job as a receptionist on on a cruise ship, and it was. It's still one of the moments that I can remember in my life where I've just been completely in awe of of what I'd managed to achieve. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I remember stepping onto the quayside next to what was about to be my home for the next six months and this monumental cruise ship. You know, it's just... You can't comprehend the scale of this thing. As you, I don't know if either of you two have, have ever stood on a quayside next to a cruise ship. Well, actually, yes, yeah. sorry, Kat. No, I
2: just said yes. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is awe-inspiring, isn't it? Sorry, please carry on.
0: Where I um I grew up,
1: P&O was a huge employer, and it was essentially the expectation that you would finish school and then you would go and work for P&L, uh, P&L, P&O even. Yeah. And um, that was something that I got indoctrinated in. So every school career trip, we would go to P&O ferries and we'd get to actually go around these wonderful ships, and I think it took me the absolute opposite way of you because it put me off. I think really? I had a school trip where um, we went on a PO cruise, just literally to France and back, and I clearly not cut out for it because I've never been so sick in my life. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, well, do you know what? Maybe that the, the island life helped me there because I uh, we used to get ferries on and off the island all the time, mm-hmm. and there were tiny little things that used to get chucked around in all sorts of ocean. It's the Atlantic at the end of the day. So, you know, it's pretty choppy at the best of times. And I, I'd never had a problem with seasickness uh, or anything like that. The one and only time that I did was actually self-inflicted involving <laughs> alcohol, as always. But, we keep coming um, back to this. You, yeah. yeah. There seems yeah. to be a trend here. Listen to the accent. It's, it's in <laughs> but, the as, but
2: as you as you say, Phil. I mean, you sort of you mentioned about what what really appealed to you about the industry when you when you're working was you know the people aspect of it, and it was the yeah. people aspect of it that that almost got you the job, didn't it? That got you sort of through the front door. You know, they saw that in you. They saw that totally. ability to connect human to human, didn't they?
0: Yeah, and you know what? They absolutely took a punt on me in terms. I suppose the way they looked at it, and actually, I did have a, a discussion with the the person who interviewed me as I climbed the ranks. Um, and I asked him, you know, full on how, why did you give me the job? And they just said, we just saw someone who genuinely wanted to be there, whose attitude was bang on. And we felt that we could mold you the way that we wanted you to be molded, mm. um, you know, and teach you good habits rather than somebody coming in with bad ones, perhaps. So, so in essentially... actual fact, from their perspective, it was less of a risk to take me on. So
1: they saw the enthusiasm you had and they started to teach you the skill and mold you.
0: Exactly. Exactly that. And actually I've I've missed out a tiny little thing. I did a student exchange in uh in my th- second year at uni. I went over to um a place, a little place called Lavalette in New Jersey in the, the States. And I went over with a mate and we were there as a kind of two Long story short, he had an argument with one of the owners and ended up leaving and said, you want to come too? And I was like, no, I'm having too much fun. I'm learning. And I actually, I, I kind of take that experience as m- me beginning to grow up and I had to be age 19 at this, this point in time. Away, first time away on my own, working for somebody directly. I was working directly for the managing director. It was basically just a general dog's body. But I loved that kind of sporadic entrepreneurial nature of his business it was like today we need to do this and then you get into that plan and two hours later he'd say actually scrap that we need to be doing this and I just love that fast paced and I love the access to the to the guy who who ran the business as well that was really important and I actually think that that experience really helped me in the interview with P&O because mm. they did focus quite a lot on it and I think it, there was a lot of questions around what that experience had brought to my life yeah. and it fu- it was fundamental I think in 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 part of the jigsaw, and getting me into to that position in the first place. I think. You, for, sorry.
2: Sorry, I was. Well, I was just going to go back to because you talk, you came back to university, and I actually wanted to ask: Do you do you think that your sports degree helped you, Phil? Because I think there's a bit of a misconception for people who are in the industry that um you know sort of if you want to start in hospitality, you have to start. kind of you know, very early on when you're a teenager, and and start there. I think there's a bit of a misconception that sort of a degree can take you the opposite way, when actually yeah. it can help you. Do you do you feel that it helped you? I
0: d- yes, I, I suppose yes and no. I don't think it it depends probably on where you're you're going. I actually, it was one of the reasons I got the interview in the first place. Retrospectively, from their perspective, they said, you know, actually, with you, that wouldn't have made much of a difference. They just liked the fact that I'd had the I suppose, the, the stickability to see out doing a degree. I don't think they were too concerned about what that actual degree was. What they were more interested in was the human being. Mm. Um, I think they wanted to see that the guy's got the attitude to finish something that he started. Mm. And and then also there are crossovers in in any kind of management degree, I think, in in terms of where it doesn't have to be hospitality management. I think the you know the the theory there's a lot of similarities i remember doing things on accounting uh, human resources marketing economics you know all of these things are fundamentals of of business really they're so whether you're coming from a hospitality degree or any other management degree i think it's it's a useful thing to have but it i, I don't think it's the be all and end all
1: so with this being the foundation of your career, how do you think that's progressed as to now? So jumping ahead. Wow, that's a big jump.
0: Um, <laughs> don't you want to hear all my stories from C? Oh, absolutely. I'm just curious about <laughs> you as a person. <laughs> um, and I'm sure they're very alcohol fueled stories as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that doesn't really change. Um, yeah, do you know, from then to now, I think the, uh, we'll get into some of the blanks between then and now, I'm sure, but the, uh, there's lessons everywhere. I think, and and equally, it's very easy to look back on yourself and pick holes in some of the things that you do and, you know, beat yourself up about it. But in actual fact, you know, there's definitely some things I could have done better. There's definitely some things I did really well. There's definitely things where I think, nah, you know, you're a bit stupid then. But cool. you know what? They all kind of make you who you are. And I I quite like the richness of the story that comes with that. You know, if we are all picture perfect and we are all capable of just being great at everything all the time, by God, it would be boring, wouldn't it? Oh, mm, good God, yes! Absolutely. You um, need you need to make mistakes. You've got to you've got to you know, send yourself into things where you're completely out of depth and and then see where it's where you come up on the other side. And following on from what you're saying there, so what
1: would your biggest regret be?
0: Yeah, it's That's a, a tough big one. sigh. It is, yeah. Well, it's a ponderous question, isn't it? So it needs a deep sigh like that. I think there's there's one thing that I think of, but I, this is a funny one because I have a career regret, but it actually it helped my personal life. So I can't really regret it too much, but I do I do regret leaving P and O when I left, just in the sense that I was with them for five and a half years. I'd I'd taken a sabbatical, which really uh, once again it taught me an awful lot about myself in that process and it made me a better leader as a, as a result and so I think I was I'd left just as I was beginning to get momentum in my P&O career uh, I had quite a lot of momentum actually in, in the early stages I made quite quick progress again just based around uh, attitudes uh, I think and the, the fact that I used to wake up every day and and couldn't really believe that somebody was paying me to do this job <laughs> and yeah, so I regret that, but actually the reason for that was is that I want I'd, I'd met my now wife Helen, who can you've met, but I don't think you have, Robert. No, I haven't. Had, I'm, I'm sorry, no, I haven't. Oh, you would. You were gonna uh, next week until they kept Kent in tier three. Yeah, but
1: Lucky us. Yes.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. I could. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> Sense the distaste in your uh, your sigh.
2: We managed to keep the conversation away from COVID for twenty minutes. I for think twenty minutes. Well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not
0: bad, it's not bad at all. Um, yeah, I I was in hook, line, and sinker with Helen, and I I, I wanted to give that the best possible chance. I mean, it, you know, working on a cruise ship to the best will in the world for people who I would classify as some of the greatest mentors that I've ever had in my career. With the greatest respect, I'd I'd look at their life twenty years at sea, and I just thought that's not what I want. There, you know, it's a kind of a little bit of a disconnection with reality. And by that I, that age, I was twenty five years old, so still very very young. And but I just wanted to give Helen and I the best possible chance. And I moved to London as part of that that process. And in actual fact, I was. I was 100% out my depth straight away when I came to London. Not to do with being in London, to do with the fact that the the mindset of the workforce was totally different from what I was used to leading. On a cruise ship, you've got 800 crew members who are there for one purpose, which is to deliver their job, basically. And you know, the, the, you'd have situations whereby people who look like they're on their deathbeds are coming into work and you're having to tell them, no, 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 get back to your cabin. You'll rest as much as you need to rest. We'll cover the work some somehow. And then flip that on its head when I came to London, and I had a pretty much exactly the opposite issue. But I think that the problem that I had then is, once again, this comes down to career maturity, was is that I, I didn't have the maturity enough about myself to really start contemplating what my impact on this process was it was all about why are these people not wanting to work why did they keep calling up you know where's their attitude where's this you know I want to come and do some work whereas I I should have really been analyzing what can I do to make this process uh, a lot more comfortable for everyone Mm. but that's easy with hindsight Um,
2: everything is isn't it (laughs) yeah
0: yeah absolutely
1: what was it you did then to overcome that I
0: left (laughs) okay that's quite definitive yeah yeah no absolutely i um i actually that was that started my um my career in in recruitment actually because i i began to get disillusioned with life as an operator Mm. one basically because as i say I, i i wouldn't have admitted it back then but i was i was out of my depth um i'd probably needed to take a couple of steps back at that point to learn a different way of doing things different cultures to kind of to get on top of rather than just being in this place where people are work, 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 work. And yeah, so I, it was a chance conversation actually with one of the recruiters who was handling um, an application of mine. And I just, I asked the question, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do? And here we go back to one of the first things that, that I kind of connected with, with with hospitality was here's an opportunity to, to go and talk to people all the time. That sounded like my dream job now, as it happens it it probably wasn't to start with well it was it was to in some respects, but there's obviously a lot of elements to to recruitment it 's not just about talking to people. so I went off on a, a kind of upward slope of learning, which I found really, really interesting. It was a a different time in the sense that this was just before the crash of two thousand and eight from a recruitment perspective you know, it was it was a very easy time, you, you know, you couldn't find enough good people, so recruitment companies' phone lines were red hot all the time. Flipped that on its head pretty much overnight when 2008-9 when started to take hold, and then you were left with, and I was definitely one of these people who was, I enjoyed the people side of the business, but nobody had really fully taught me how to be uh, an on-the-front-foot recruiter, and so I found myself out of my depth again. And um, I was uh, I was made redundant in 2009. I was with a company called Portfolio at the time, and quite rightly so. I mean, you know, from a from a performance perspective, I, I was definitely in in the right category for redundancy. And I suppose again, it's another one of those lessons that you learn. I really started to question at this point and this would have been age 30 who I really was at that time and I questioned whether recruitment was for me I I questioned hospitality I questioned everything because I I felt like I'd pretty much landed back at the beginning I then took a job recruiting for a a local firm uh, who focused in Kent this was I worked in uh, I lived in Swanley at the time uh, not a million miles away from your stomping ground Robert no no not at all and um i really quite hated it they they um they recruited what, swanley or uh, yeah well that as well yeah but um <laughs> recruited uh for accountants across all sectors so i'd done a little bit of accountancy recruitment beforehand which is something i actually got on quite well with but then taking it across multi-sectors and a, and a lot of sectors away from hospitality are very black and white so you know when you take a brief you're you're asked to find somebody who's got ACCA, they've got a or a degree in accounting, that they've got two years experience doing this, they've used this system, and I was like, it's actually a a, a means to be successful as a recruiter, and I use successful in inverted commas because it's it's process driven, but what I really really missed was the the human interaction, mm. the how does this human make a difference to this business and i think it, it was at that point that i began to really wake up as a recruiter and identified that you know culture is king when it comes to to marrying up people in businesses you get that right and sparks fly you know and you get longevity and all of these things the the recruitment firm in in uh, it was actually bromley which was close to swanley so it was a good commute they filled in the blanks as in, you know, how how to be a front foot recruiter as I, I called it, which is basically business development. How do you go and win business? But I hadn't really fully appreciated at that time what that really meant. And it's to now now it it's it's quite a straightforward thing because it's it's relationship building, which again comes mm. back to the human element. And and that's so all of these things began to kind of reconnect me with who I who I was what I found really important and then I got a call to ask if I wanted to come back into hospitality and you could I mean I'd, I'd have gone back in for free to be honest at that point because it was just it's just an industry that I really identify with I'm a massive consumer of hospitality myself Um we can tell from your stories yeah yeah you don't need to invite me twice to come to <laughs> anything to do with food or drink <laughs> we are again. Um, so yeah and then I, I, I had a couple of years uh, working for for other people and uh, I woke up along with a business part my my business partner Fabian who who featured earlier on uh, as one of the guests on the show and we just looked at each other and went we've been doing this for other people now for for 10 years why do we need to we're not they're not bringing anything to us anymore we're kind of bringing more to the businesses so we we put our money where our mouth is and formed Momentum Hospitality Recruitment five and a half years ago, and I've never looked back. A slight digression, but where did the name come from, Momentum? Yeah, good question. That is a that's a cracking question. We had it's such a tough thing to do to actually come up with a business name. Probably the the toughest thing we did as mm. part of the business because not only do you have to find the name, you've then got to see if the if there's a domain name available that mm. suits it, and all of these sorts of things. We're both myself and Fabian are massive sports fans. And um, so, so we were always thinking about language around the world of sport that would equate to business, that sort of thing. And actually, the first name we came up with was, uh, and this was under the influence of a couple of pints. <laughs> oh, here's, there's that, there's that there's thing that, again. There's Maybe that I am thread that again, following. isn't it? a
1: thread. <laughs> yeah. um, Even those people feel that, like me, I only know where I'm going by naming the pub.
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much oh is that yeah. near the that's near, near the, yeah, that's, uh, the that's Berlin, near, isn't isn't the, the, yeah. the george and the dragon that's right um yeah we we were talking about we were thinking about rugby lots of things about uh, your uh, engagement and that's when it came to us we we're like yeah engage we like that and we went to bed on engage recruitment as our name and both woke up the next morning and went nah that's a dating agency isn't it <laughs> um thankfully so we didn't go with that and then this this conversation about momentum came in and momentum is such an important part in business and it just translates well across you know pretty much any business and hospitality is no different and we just really fell in love with the name straight away and and so that's that's where it came from
2: Can I ask? Just because I think that recruitment is is one of those areas of hospitality that people don't necessarily think of when they're thinking, you know, that they want to get into it. Mm. Um, and you sort of you mentioned that you felt out of your depth when you first started in it. I mean, do you feel that you already had the characteristics because of your hospitality background that suited you to uh, have suited you to recruitment, or or in like in your previous job, do you feel that you developed those skills, or was it a bit of both?
0: I think a little bit of both, probably. There, there's if you can talk to people i think you've got a a great starting point and i don't mean that aloofly if that's the word but it actually your your ability to go deep with people and actually understand them and take care and pride in doing that i think if if that's i don't think that's something you can teach somebody i think you've got that or you don't uh, and that's just a, a, I suppose having a curious mind to the subject that sits in front of you mm-hmm. and really being interested in, in where they've come from and why they've made the decisions they have. I think if you've got that, then, then that's a great place to start. The The rest of it can, can be filled in. I mean, the, the sales side of recruitment. And again, I use that in uh, inverted commas. If you go into any recruitment firm uh, of any size, they'll tell you it's a sales job, but I, that, that I really hate that as a part of a definition of this career because with sales it's very transactional and we're dealing with human beings there can't ever be a you know it can't be a transaction around a, somebody's life you know mm. and, and and where you you're sending somebody and that means that people are making decisions based on sales they're not making decisions based on humans mm. and I think that to me sets you apart as a as a recruiter and 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 also, also just a human being how would you like to be treated that way if somebody's trying to force you to go somewhere just so that they can make a fee? That just doesn't sit well with me at all. So I, that's why I, I would argue to the cows come home with anybody that wanted to classify recruitment as a as a sales job. Hmm. Uh, but you do have to have confidence, and you do have to be able to sit in front of people and and you know talk to people eloquently, which you could argue I'm really struggling with right now in doing <laughs> this and and build relationships with people and play the long game with that. Don't make it about making a quick buck. Make it because you genuinely care and you ge- genuinely give a monkeys about mm. the people in business that you want to interact with. And when you do that, it's it's then, to me, it's not work. It means that I'm I'm adding value to things that I care about. And that that's, I think, a much more powerful place to start.
1: But I think if I can jump in there, uh, your podcast is probably one of the few that I've listened to every episode of, and this comes through the whole time. You're genuinely interested. I've Bless you. I've sat, actually, been interviewed. Thank you. Your check's in the post. I hope. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: no, I'll give. I'll send you a number one fan badge.
1: <laughs> I've. Um, I mean, I've sat as a guest on a podcast, and I felt that the person interviewing me hadn't done the homework, but more importantly, didn't care. And I never got that with you. And I think I was telling Kat before you came on earlier, we did my podcast in a very small hotel bedroom on a very hot, sweaty day in London back in February. Yeah, that's right. Which was, um, that was a bizarre start. When we could meet. When we could meet, yeah. And um, it just came through then. And then in every subsequent episode I've listened to, it came through. And I think from what I'm hearing you might disagree because you're the greater expert here but your background in recruitment and actually caring about people <clears throat> has definitely informed how you are as a podcast host.
0: I Yeah I think that's fair and but also I think more critically it's also the way now that I live my life even away from work because I think a lot of the time we we get pigeonholed into that's and this is probably more important now than ever before the that you know that's your job and that's your career so that defines you as a human being and I I just believe that actually your your actions define you as a as a human being and so all of these things that I now find really interesting which is the the caring for people and the the you know genuinely being curious about people's journeys and, and stories because they're all so different and interesting you know I, I equate that into my private life now as well with with some of the stuff I do locally here, I'm a member of my local round table, you know, and I find that really rewarding just be, just because it's, it's, it's just putting others first. And that's kind of a really, that's, that that has its roots firmly in hospitality, that mm. mindset.
2: Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, speaking of your journey, may may I be so bold as to drag us back to your your um, cruising days, Phil? You may. I would cruising? Really like can you Cruising? Can, can you say
0: that?
2: <laughs> i i I would really i'm sure you have some amazing stories from that time i think again it's something that people don't necessarily know you know that you can get paid to travel in hospitality there are so many traveling opportunities i mean you know tell us some stories about that time i mean you must have been to dozens of countries
0: yeah i mean that that in itself to me i mean if if anyone is ever in front of me and contemplating uh, a, a life in hospitality i i always I just can't imagine as a 21-year-old having a better job because somebody's paying you to travel the world you know you're on this world-class piece of engineering and you're just you know you're just getting to kind of live your best life every day really there's so many stories it's it's just a it's a, a floating story in itself there's I mean, there's a, a, a. I was actually thinking about this before um, I came on, which is probably useful, right? Um, and I remember the first time that I, I I went to Bali, and there's a kind of to name drop a one country. Myself and a colleague, we we had a few hours off, and we really wanted to explore the island. So we thought, what a cool thing to do would be to to hire a couple of guys uh, on motorbikes and just you'll go around as passengers on the back back of motorbikes to see the island. Now in the city limits you had to wear a helmet but as soon as you came out of the 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 city basically they had a guy waiting to take your helmet off you and then you went on without a helmet and so this is well health and safety eh? but the um hmm. the moment where you think god should i really be doing this and then all of a sudden the winds in your hair and you know you're starting to see the paddy fields and these spectacular temples and all of that and you think yeah that's fine Cut two, end of day, having had the most amazing day, on the way back into the city, and I'm I'm on the back of this bike, and this guy's um approaching this car in front of us quite quickly, and I'm thinking, he's seen it, he's seen it, surely he's seen it. Getting closer, getting closer. And then I literally went, mate, the car! And he went, Oh, broke too late. We went into the back of the car. Thankfully, and well, not thankfully for him, but he cushioned my blow um Ooh. and uh but yeah it, it, we were breaking so we probably hit it at around about 25 miles an hour something like that yeah. but yeah lessons from your uncle phil definitely <laughs> somebody gives you the opportunity to take a helmet off in bali <laughs> don't <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we, you you survive to tell the tale you know and it's um there's so many things from around the world um mm could probably make a podcast just for that to be honest
2: (laughs) but I mean before yeah before we started recording you were talking about the kind of the the staff um the hospitality traditions around Christmas I mean yeah yeah, what, what was it like being on a on a cruise ship around Christmas
0: oh do you know what it's such a cool thing you you get the the postal department on the the last Southampton port before Christmas is just mental with families sending you know stockings full of gifts for you to open on christmas day and all of that sort of thing but as soon as you set sail on that that particular cruise and that would probably be i don't know maybe the the 19th we would leave the 19th of december as soon as you go it's it's just walking christmas from from start to finish and if you're into christmas that's obviously a good thing if you're not then maybe that's not the right environment for you but one of the the cool things that we do and i think uh, a lot of hospitality businesses do this in some form is that uh, we do role reversal on on christmas day where the the officers which for all intents and purposes would be the management the leadership of uh, of the ship um would change places with the crew and we would serve the crew their christmas lunch and so you'd have uh, a situation where the captain who and there's there's something about captains they've got this aura around them that they've just got presence and gravitas and when you're sat next to someone and he and he's the captain of the ship and he's loading dishes into the uh the uh the dishwasher you just think yeah life's pretty cool um <laughs> and there's all manner of stuff where we had we had some leaders who would let the festivities get carried away again <laughs> I, I mean that would never be me i'd never do anything no. like that of course not. Um, no no no, no never. doesn't doesn't sound like it from today No absolutely not but even then you know the the things that we would do for the for the guests on board you know it's just it was just a really spectacular time of year and again you know you're having to work and you're having to be out and about in in uh, in the bars and, and things like that making sure that everybody's fine but it just didn't feel like work just the opportunity to to get out and about and enjoy the festivities with people.
2: Amazing. I mean, and just just a general question: What are you most proud of? Out of the things that we've discussed so far, or things that we haven't discussed?
0: Blame me. <laughs> was, was that on the list of questions? <laughs> this, this is, is what, on what happens. List of questions, know, Phil. I, We're not supposed I, to talk yeah. about. The turn list the of mic questions. off. Turn the mic off. Yeah. This
1: is what happens when you invite a professional interviewer
0: to a podcast. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Sorry, yeah, was that, that too much of a segue? Not enough of a segue.
0: That's uh, it's a damn. It's a very, very good question. I don't know. It's it's still. I think the the moment I I got promoted in the, the my very first contract with P and O, and I can only really put that down to having uh, a, a great attitude, because I definitely didn't know more than other people. I also became the uh, the youngest ever deputy food and beverage manager on on board p and O cruise ship at the age of twenty three. Oh wow! And I remember, you know, that's take it that's uh, being second in command of looking after uh, fifteen bars and restaurants all of the crew food and drink um you know it's a monumental undertaking and i look back and i think to myself you know, where where are you without people seeing something in you that that you don't see yourself because i definitely didn't think i was ready for that i mean i was happy to take it because it was a wonderful opportunity and a massive financial uplift which at, at that age was um you know it was all about the the drinking oh here we are again <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think getting, getting those two promotions were, were, they were, they were really feel good days. I think the day I launched this business as well was really, it was rewarding, even though we had a lot to do and a lot to get on with. It was just, it's just such a rewarding moment that I'm definitely proud of where, where you just think to yourself, well, nobody now gets to tell me what to do, but Mm -hmm. equally I've got to get on with it like there's nobody to tell me what to do i've you know i've got to go and make it all up myself
2: <laughs> would you would you have any advice for yourself if you were starting over today
0: yeah for sure i, I don't play safe i think mm-hmm. that's um that that's something I, I look back on and i think there's been there was times where you know i took the safe option rather than trying to stretch myself and and is I, that
1: something you want to expand on a bit or oh.
0: I think it's just uh, general career decisions, uh, perhaps in the, uh, this is post cruise ship, I I went, I made decisions that were based around what I perceived to be easy choices, rather than the choice that would have stretched me. Mm. And that was probably centered around the fact that somebody offered me two or 3000 pounds more than somebody else in a job. And so I got blinded by that and saw, you know, an extra two or 300 pounds Every month, instead of looking at the bigger picture and going, "Well, that's I'm going to be earning less money, but my my stretch zone is going to be so much greater," and I I just I've I've come to believe that the the stretch zone is where we need to all be operating in for as long as we can because you know the the the, that stretch zone also starts to contract at at uh, at later stage in your life, so you might as well stretch it as far as you can.
2: I mean, would, yeah. would you would you have any particular any other particular examples of of where you have stretched yourself? I mean, would you would you say, for instance, the the springboard feel? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I'm on a podcast also with two pantomime
0: dames. Well, I'm doing like, well. Oh, not, not the dame yet. Not the dame yet. <laughs> <laughs> yet he said. He said. Yeah. Yes. Yet, yet. Year. Yeah. Get it in. Get yep. it in. Yeah. Do you know? I have a. I've got a bit of a history with with performance. I um. I think if I'm really honest with myself, that's maybe something that I I if I hadn't grown up on an island I might have explored a lot more there just wasn't the facility to um, to explore anything like that uh, where I, I I grew up so I think there's always been a part of me that's comfortable with performance and I think you know you can take that into uh, any career if you're comfortable performing in front of a crowd if you're you know that leads to to giving talks and or starting podcasts or or whatever. Well, but,
2: I mean, hospitality itself is a is, is mm, something of a performance, it totally is. isn't
0: it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I give a lot of
1: credit to you and people like you, Phil, because when I started my career journey, it wasn't to speak in front of people or go on podcasts and things. And I know when I started doing it, it was genuinely the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it, you know, the thing about that is, is that the 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 fear of doing something is always worse than doing it. Oh yes, hundred um, percent and so when it it came to pantomime i i think secretly i craved that in my life (laughs) and that definitely reconnected me with with performance i'd flirted with that in my 20s you remember i said that i went on a sabbatical and i i actually went to australia with my then fiance and we split up after three days of being there which is a a different story in itself but needless to say it, it it Hit me hard at the time, so I went off to find myself once again, in inverted commas, which you've always got to do when you're on a podcast. <laughs> um, and I remember getting this like smack in the face that you know, this is something that you enjoy doing. This is, I got really into stand up comedy. I went back to see and uh, I started writing a, a magazine for the crew, and um, and this was, I suppose, the first instance of me beginning to kind of put myself out there to be shot at and and then i went uh, and i i wrote two stand up comedy shows for the crew it was kind of it's a bit selfish it was it's to use it as a training ground to to see if it was something that i could actually do because i think it's one thing to write it's another thing to perform but i got such a kick from doing that the first time i got my first full room laugh uh was that's just it was a that there's my proud moment right there but it's not hospitality related so I don't know if we can include it um still counts still counts and and so then that chance conversation with Monica or a networking event one evening she's got a lot to answer for that woman um <laughs> with a glass of champagne in my hand <laughs> and um and she said oh you should do the springboard panto and I went yeah yeah great and I was a little bit tipsy at the time and then I I remember waking up the next morning, going, "My God, you really did do that! You really did just sign up for that." But I'm really so grateful that I did, because it totally reconnected me with that side, the buzz of going out on stage before you think you're ready. It's again, it's another thing that we all have to deal with in life generally. Mm. I think at times, mm. you know, think about how you feel, cat, when you go out on opening night. Mm. Did you did you feel ready? Uh, no. no. <laughs> well, back. I will
1: say as a as an audience member, you two. I mean, you should be doing it professionally. You were both absolutely incredible. Yes, <laughs> you can definitely oh, come you. back, Robert. Yes, definitely. <laughs> no,
2: no, not at all. I mean, I. I mean, I personally, I. I'd, I'd told um, one of the guys backstage that I was going to forget my lines, that I was going to get stage fright, and I was not a word was not going to come out of my mouth. And so there were people there waiting <laughs> with my lines just in case that did happen. I. I felt so terrified but as you say it's kind of yeah you sort of you have got to push yourself haven't you you've got to take yourself out of that comfort zone because those that that's when the best things can happen aren't they
0: yeah yeah absolutely and just think I mean that the the byproduct of all of that as well is that just look at that network of people that that get created mm. it's just a bond that you you don't form with other people I think it's 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 Pantel family right hashtag Pantle mm. family
2: absolutely <laughs>
0: um what, one yeah. thing i
2: would like to get back to actually i would you know so sort of bring it back to hospitality a little bit more um you know what what would you say to someone considering a, hosp- a career in hospitality now because obviously it is a difficult time for the industry and i think now is a more important time than ever to be getting getting that message across of what a great industry it is to be a part of
0: yeah first of all you're very professional bringing it back like that that was <laughs> very nicely done Queen um, of Segway. <laughs> hashtag professional interviewer absolutely i'm, I'm taking notes um <laughs> Yeah, I mean look it's, it's a tough time for for sure it's it, but I I think the time does not define again I used this word earlier on, it doesn't define the industry uh, in any way shape or form. I uh, yeah, I would st- I would just say that the the time that we're in is not a reflection of what this in- industry can achieve. And I I just think there's so many phenomenal people in this industry. There's so many different avenues that you can go into there's so much fun that you can have but you can still also generate a really serious career um in any any kind of thing you want to do you know it like literally think of a sector that exists out there and you can do that in hospitality and i just don't think there's an industry like it in the world and i always quote harry murray the great harry murray uh mm-hmm. on this when he says that that your know, hospitality is the industry of dreams we make mm. people's dreams come true, and if that connects with you a little bit, just in the way that you, you know, being able to put somebody into a situation where you're making them feel special, then come right in because there's a there's a cracking career here for you.
1: Mm. I think. I, sorry.
2: No, no, please, please. I think
0: you, that's a, that's Cat literally said, "Hmm, hmm. <laughs>
1: I'm yeah. going to stay quiet because I'm scared." <laughs>
2: <laughs> no I was I was saying hmm, because I was I, I was that was very much in agreement I think in some inst- in many instances this situation has brought out the best in the industry I mean it's the amount of it's really shown how hospitality venues you know that going again, go back to that human aspect it's there's so much part of their community, so many restaurants yep. hotels um you know food service operators they turned you know they turned around when they couldn't operate um, during lockdown and they supported their communities you know they sent food to uh, for homeless people for disadvantaged people they you know they helped out with schools it's it's i think it's been amazing to see that
0: yeah and i just think mm-hmm. we've got to get so much better at shouting about how good it is because i you know even think about think about the 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 artisan gin maker who you know has started making gin out of his garage you know mm-hmm. he's in hospitality whether whether he likes it or not but you know that's a massive the supply chain is a massive part of of hospitality as well you know and and if you've got a series of passionate people that are doing what they're supposed to be doing then it's a really powerful thing to see in action um and i I just i feel really privileged that i get to affect businesses with the people that i introduce to them on, on this front so it's um yeah
1: and whilst we're talking about shouting about the industry, why did you start the podcast? So why you know, why are we all here? Good question.
0: Wonderful question. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't even ask you to ask that, but if I was thinking about it. <laughs> I was gonna say that, checks I'm, in the post. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um it was exactly as you as you kind of alluded to at the beginning of, of that question. You know, I I I don't know what it was. I think I, I woke up one day and, and wondered what my legacy was and I wasn't really sure. And I think I, I just started to think, okay, well, we've got to go and figure that out. But while we're figuring... Midlife crisis, it,
2: then. <laughs> you what, know, sorry? Midlife crisis, basically. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly wow.
0: what it was. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, wow, and, that, that's, that's just wow, well, Kat. Oh, wow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, um, yeah, I just... that I'm probably not there yet with with the Legacy. This is kind of... The, this is the first piece of the jigsaw for me. This was something that I felt I could get off and running and start doing. And I just really was because, I, I again, I'm so lucky to to meet so many different people in so many different parts of hospitality. And mm. and the majority of the time, all I see are people who genuinely care what, about what they do, are trying to strive to be better, are moving forward, are passionate about the businesses that they work in. And none of this stuff for me was getting out into the stratosphere. And so I just thought, well, you know, people relate to stories. Uh, I certainly do. And let's just start telling the stories of the people that, that you know, are in this industry, for the people hmm. in the industry, but also people who are perhaps contemplating coming in.
2: Hmm.
0: Here's that hmm. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. It's an agreement. It's an
1: agreement. <laughs> hmm. yeah. It's quite firm. <laughs> I can tell if there's a tense moment in your house, what happens next? <laughs> 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 do you, have you ever gone back though because this is episode 50 so have you ever gone yeah. back and listened to episode one or i mean i was i think i was four and Cap was seven so do yep. you ever go back to those very early
0: episodes um not in full i have to mm-hmm. say there uh and that's not because uh, i don't necessarily want to i think it's it's always useful to hear where you come from to to see where you're going but it's it's a question of time for me it's um it's. I still have a full time job. It's a bit of a full time job in itself putting this together, and in a time where, you know, incomes are not exactly guaranteed. Mm. I've just got a box clever uh, around that. But um, I, I definitely I, I listened. I listened back to the intros quite a lot because I, I'm proud of them. I um, mm. they, they were they were something that was that always in my my head came to me that when when this idea came to me, I thought, yeah, I want to do something different with the with the intros i want to kind of just make people aware straight away that this is not taking itself too seriously
1: well actually as an avid devourer of podcasts what set yours apart for me was the fact it is light-hearted it tells a powerful story unarguably but it does it in a very relaxed very genteel way do you know what the the
0: this is it's logical for me that that's that's the way it should be there's all mm. manner of serious subject matters that we could be debating uh, around the world but the nobody ever talks about how much fun this industry is and actually i, I remember having a, a chat on and off podcast with chris penn uh, mm. of birch uh, around this and fellow pantomime uh, well i mean he's the one we all aspire to be like to be honest he's, the actual um, pantomime dame <laughs> yeah it's um his his level was a different one mm. and that's not because he's six foot seven or whatever it is um he's not sure but, you know, he, he said that um, that was the reason that the pantomime came to mind, you know, doing something like that as a charity fundraiser was because there's too many serious black tie do's mm, and yeah. and all of these sorts of things. Let's why are we not showcasing more of the fun side? Because I guarantee if we do that because it's there, we don't have to go looking for it very hard. Yeah. Then, you know, you you get more people coming in because they go, "I want to, I want to feel like that. I want to come and do that when I'm at work." You know, and it's just to me, it's a no brainer that we should be doing a lot more fun focused things as opposed to just constantly talking about serious matters.
1: And um, okay, so million dollar question for me then: What would episode fifty feel go and tell episode
0: one feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> Where are, where are these questions coming from? I was, wasn't expecting off-the-cuff questions that I have to think of answers, and I'm just trying to pad it out so I can think well, of something witty and wonderful to say. To but be I fair, actually...
1: and you might remind me this, but I remember how this came about tonight, the three of us doing this, was months and months ago, you said something on Facebook, and then Kat and I jumped on it, and I think we'd all, in our separate bubbles or wherever we are had clearly opened some wine and
0: uh oh no no I never do that no no no, you
1: don't no I recall cat getting very animated about cross examinations six exclamation marks
0: me finding it hilarious and uh so yeah I think probably we've both done some homework yeah I think that that's definitely something I didn't I didn't do an awful lot of research in in the early stages I just relied on my my own knowledge but then what soon what happened was is that I started to speak to people that I I I didn't really know. And I'd, you know, I'd class you as one of those, Robert. We didn't yep. really know each other that well before we, we started down this path. Uh, and look at what a podcast tart you've become now, eh? <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> wow.
2: Low blow. That's, that's,
0: that's harsh.
2: But uh, okay, sorry. we talk sorry, about
1: hospitality. So uh, I think I've met you briefly once. Then you very kindly called up a total stranger and invited me onto a podcast. And I turned up a little bit nervous with my notes. Now we skip forward. And I think... Phil and I, I mean, we talk most weeks and I definitely say we're friends. Um, Phil was one of the first people to congratulate me when I got my new job. And um, I think that's, again, power of the industry because we're positive people, we're like minded people. And uh, that brings us all together.
0: Yeah, I'm just always amazed that, you know, when when your your eyes are open to to something, how much of that something lands on your lap? You know, Um, and uh, I'm one of the things I'm pursuing at the moment is. Is I'm I'm writing a book on kindness, which seems like a really random thing to do, right? But the um, it it's not till I sort of gave into this this desire to do that that oh I just see I see kindness everywhere, you know all manner of stuff goes on all the time, and I just think we we could all do better at just being open to things and just letting them kind of flow a little bit rather than you know using all the filters that we do to to kind of filter out life
2: Mm, yeah yeah no I agree
0: it's quite deep isn't it that's very deep wow (laughs) that's going in the intro then (laughs) (laughs) oh I don't this is going to be a tough one to edit yeah um, well
2: Phil I guess it is also important because obviously you know we've we've spoken about your journey but there's so so much more that I know that you've got to tell so how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you
0: yeah well uh, kind of the usual ways really I suppose I'm 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 an avid LinkedIner. Um, you can search me out on there. Phil Streets, M.I.H. now because I'm a member. Well done. Um, well done. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when and... do we sign you
1: up, Cat?
2: <laughs> Will you have me?
1: <laughs>
0: Hashtag recruitment
1: drive. Yes, we would, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're in the industry. Yeah. You're reporting on the industry. You're. You're. It's as we as discussed earlier on. Every Every element to this industry as as is as important as every other element writing is no different there we are um first pause you guys of the still, night are you still there yeah yeah, yeah. first <laughs> pause of the night there yeah speechless <laughs> wow um yeah linkedin or people can uh, email me directly at phil at momentum com. um i'll always pretty much accept as long as you're not trying to sell things to me then which is ironic as a selling recruiter in a <laughs> In inverted commas yeah yeah do that and uh and I'll, and I'll always touch base fantastic amazing yes right. are we there so that's Food street so wow it's, this is a weird one because i don't know how to finish it now well hey
1: how is it how is it on the other side of the desk so to speak
0: yeah i enjoyed that it's actually a, a couple of people have commented on how liberating it is and it's quite enriching it's an enriching experience as you get to kind of reminisce a little bit about Mm. where you've been and Mm. and all of that sort of thing and and i have to now that i can see it i i totally i totally understand
2: do you you think you've learned anything new about yourself or realized anything stop it
0: now (laughs) deep questions
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's my job i've got to ask the big questions
0: very good at it very good (laughs) at it Uh, have i learned anything about myself to be honest I, i probably hadn't really thought about so much on the um, the regret element, and that that uh, comment that I made about re- regretting stopping that side of my career, but but not regretting it because it led to something else. You know, i had I'd, I'd never really thought about it that way until we talked about it tonight. So that's that's an interesting cool. learning experience.
2: Mm, yeah, I, I find when when you get asked these questions, yeah, it sort of it, it takes you mentally down sort of paths that you didn't had necessarily thought of before.
0: yeah Yeah. absolutely but i'm definitely one of these people that that doesn't like to cling on to regret Mm. uh you know i think as discussed that we're we're all destined to make mistakes and failures so just accept it and um and take the learning and move on and i think we 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 need to as any leaders in the industry need to take that that focus i don't there's no good comes from just berating people to to there's no learning comes from that
2: no. Absolutely. If it if it doesn't come to you, it wasn't meant for you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. What's for you won't go by you. <laughs> That's that was the <laughs> Scottish version.
2: Uh, <laughs> we've got okay, we've got the Welsh version, the Scottish version. Is there an English version?
0: <laughs> um go to the nearest
1: pub and be retrospective, I suppose. Very good, the Georgian Dragon. <laughs> George and Dragon. There we go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Great stuff.
1: Well, well I, I hope d- you enjoyed d-
0: being interviewed. I did, yeah. Thank you very much. I hope uh, I hope some people got some interesting snippets of into my soul uh, from from that but I, I really appreciate you guys doing this as well i appreciate this is not kind of in your job description and uh, not your normal way of life although cap
2: well we need to talk about, of it is,
0: yeah. about a, 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 an offshoot career here cat the hashtag professional uh, interviewer yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh no thanks for having us it's been a pleasure yeah, it has been
1: in, it's your 50th so it's it's genuinely an honor and here's to the next 50 absolutely
0: you're here, here. here, here nice one well merry christmas guys merry christmas Christmas. we'll speak soon bye 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 Bye. and there we have it once again a massive thank you to all guests past and present who have helped us get to 50 shows we're just getting started so look out for more wonderful stories and individuals from hospitality every wednesday at 8 p.m until then a very merry christmas and a happy new year to you all